those moments that people talk about on the road when whales come up past you and it covers you in water or pods of dolphins swimming off the bowels or even sharks those are pretty magical moments and then looking up into the night sky and seeing the milky way there is no light pollution whatsoever and that rawness will just be fantastic Hey folks, thanks for tuning in to the Adventure Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Mason Gravely, and today's episode we are talking to Team Latitude 35 about their they're getting ready to row across the Atlantic Ocean in what is called the Talisker Whiskey Challenge. It's a 3,000-mile row from the Canary Islands to uh, Antigua, and it's in, you know, a, a classic ocean rowing boat, a team of four, you know, so you do two two shifts. One shift uh, rows, the other shift um, takes a break, and it's two hours on, two hours off. We've had episodes like this before, but what's different about this is they're a race, and they are contending for um, a chance to win. They are really going after the ability to win, not just to complete it, but to win. And so the record is, I believe, 29 days. So they're trying to beat that. So, you know, all this done in under a month is pretty wild. But we are catching up with them about what the preparation has been like in 2020, um, how they've gotten to know each other, because as you'll hear, a lot of them are, are from the UK, and Dixon, who's the captain, is from the US. And also, by the way, this episode is from my other show, uh, Without Compromise, but it was obviously so appropriate here that I wanted to play it here this week, and I wanted to play it before uh, this weekend, because they are starting this Saturday, December 12th. You can download the YB tracking app to follow their, you know, progress, follow the other racers. Um, but it's pretty cool. We're talking to them right before they're going on their adventure. So it'll be pretty, um, pretty neat to see what happens, follow along uh, on their social media. And we're going to try to do a call in the middle of the race and see how that goes. All right, folks, uh, enjoy the episode. And thanks for everybody who's been writing us lately and suggesting new guests. Uh, that really helps. All right, here's the episode. Dixon, Jono, Jimmy, and Todd, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so so guys, I know we're coming from all over the world, and I appreciate your time, like I said, but I, I want to hear, like, where did this idea start? First of all, um, folks heard a little bit in the official intro of the episode of what the Talisker Whiskey Challenge is, but, but do one of y'all mind just talking about a quick summary of the challenge and where this idea came to do it together? Yeah, of course. So the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge is a 3,000-mile ocean rowing race uh, across the Atlantic Ocean for charity. So we'll leave uh, on December 12th, bound for the Canary Island, or sorry, bound for Antigua. Uh, we hope that it should take us right around a month. Uh, the world record is set at 29 days. Uh, and so our, our goal is to uh, either hopefully beat that or, or come somewhere close to it, but but ultimately win the race that we're competing in this year. And we'll be rowing in shifts of two hours on, two hours off, 24 hours a day, uh, two guys at a time. And we'll be, we have all of our food, um, nutrition, everything on board that we'll need for the entirety of that race. 
um, and there is no outside outside help. So a question we typically get is, are there any support vessels that are following you? And uh, we are completely unsupported throughout the the crossing. And, and there are about 25 other teams that, that will be doing the race with us. It ranges from solos up to five-man teams. Um, and uh, as obviously you can tell, we are a, a four-man team. And in terms of how the race came to be, the project really kicked off about two years ago. I had heard about the race first from a client of mine at the time uh, and just thought that it was incredibly unique and, and just a little out there on the spectrum. Um, and Todd and I at the at the time worked together and he and I chatted a little bit about the race and uh, decided to to pursue it together. Then we had Jimmy and, and Jono join shortly thereafter and um, all doing it for, for different reasons, but I think we have an incredibly strong team and, and are really looking forward to the challenge ahead. Who said what to who? And, and, and which one of the four of you had the, had the craziest or uh, most shocked reaction? Or is it all just kind of, you know, in your wheelhouse? I, I think I brought it to the table first and, and then it kind of snowballed from there. But I think what's great about the team is that we all are endurance tested in a variety of ways. And both Jimmy and Jono are, are ex-British military. And so their, their endurance experience is, is vastly different from the endurance experience that uh, Todd and I have. And it is no way comparable. And we've each heard about ocean rowing to different extents. I think Jono had heard about this race. Jimmy had had an offer to potentially row part of the Pacific. So we're all generally familiar with the challenge. But I think it was me that kind of led with it. And then the four of us all came together and, and rallied behind the, the, the calling. That's fantastic. So, so, so for the rest of you, Jono, Jimmy, and, and Todd, was it just something you felt like, you know, th- th- this is what I want to do? Or, or, or was it, ah, man, I don't know if I can do this? Yeah, I, th- I think um, f- f- for me, definitely, it was as 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 Dixon said, it was on my radar. It was something that you know uh, I, I'd heard about people doing, and I remember just it's one of those things you hear a friend of a friend might be doing, and you sort of go, "Wow, that's that's pretty crazy. That's 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 intense." But you know, I doubt I'll ever get a chance to do that. Um, but you know, something that that I'd always would have loved to have done. And then um, sort of, I ended up meeting Dixon and Todd, uh, and finding out that they were obviously embarking on this pretty pretty epic um undertaking and uh, and i think i sort of casually mentioned you know oh you know i'd love to do that um and and actually it turns out that you know they were still looking for a sort of an additional member of the crew um, and so it quite quickly became something that you know you, you kind of have to go from that transition of sort of oh this is something i quite like to do to actually you know, do, do, is this something you want to commit to you know really spend a portion of your you know of your life kind of training for both sort of physically and mentally um, but I think, you know, once, once I kind of very quickly wrapped my head around that, I didn't, I didn't look back. I don't, I don't know about Todd and Jimmy if they, if they felt the same. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll be, I'll be honest. I, I hadn't actually really thought much about the race and, and didn't know an awful lot about it until, until I met Dixon and, and he, he, uh, he told me about the race. Uh, you know, I, I'd spent you know, multiple years running and cycling and previously played rugby. And I was, I think I was in the mindset of trying to find my next big big challenge um so the kind of i guess the question from dixon came at the right time i i went off that night and did as much research as i could watched every youtube video there was on the race and i kind of decided immediately that i wanted to do it um i said yes to dixon and then and then i asked my uh, my girlfriend at the time um if she was supportive and thankfully <laughs> she was um so so yeah um i'm uh yeah hugely looking forward to it <laughs> She's so supportive, though, Todd, that she's going to marry you now as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you said former girlfriend or, or, or <laughs> yeah. at the time, and I was thinking, oh, man, well. 
<laughs> I don't know what that is now, but what, what were you going to say, Jimmy? I yeah, I'm very much like the others, uh, Mason. They're always looking for a challenge, and for me, that there's a there's an awful lot of growing interest in ultra events. Um, that I personally think there's nothing quite like rowing an ocean and for everything that Dixon said you know, that true nature of being fully unsupported and that you are days if not weeks away from any help um, at all so you need to be absolutely well drilled and honed in everything you're doing and, and prepped for it um, so that all of those things coming together and actually a, a team with different skill sets and, and like-minded in, individuals with ultimately we all have the same goal in mind as well. And that was that was a key part as well, finding people that wanted to go out and win this race. Um, I think in previous years, a lot of people, as Todd's alluded to, looked at videos of them doing it and what have you, and it was just a challenge and we'll get over there. Now it's very much growing into a very competitive uh, uh, event. And you had to have three other individuals who have come together to form this team and to be part of that is, is the best thing. Yeah, I'd, I'd also add, too, that, and this is total credit to the team, but this has not been an easy year by any means. Um, not only do three of us live in London and, and one of us, myself, live in New York, but we've also battled with uh, the obvious pandemic that we have never dealt with in, in our, our lifetimes or others before. Um, and through that, not being able to travel, not necessarily being able to go to a gym um, and kind of in the face of adversity, adapting to that situation and coming out on the other side now a little over 40 days away from the race ready to do it is I think a testament to, to our team and something that I think we're hugely proud of um, as every other team is. So now, now Todd's going to be eating mid snack to car mid podcast to carve up. <laughs> oh yeah. Taking shifts, taking shifts, just like you were on the boat. So, so guys, you know, here at Athletic Brewing, we, our, our, our motto essentially is, is brew without compromise, which means, you know, no matter what challenge we face, it's, we, we have to stick to quality. We have to stick to, to our recipes, to our, what we know, to our customers and just absolute quality, because that, that's how a crazy idea like non-alcoholic beer is even going to have a chance to make it for something like this. It, it just seems so similar that you need to pursue everything without compromise being 40 to 50 days out you know not that long out and with everything that's gone on this year having to do everything without compromise on your end i'd love to hear from each of you about what you are most maybe uh apprehensive about or anxious about or what you think will be the biggest challenge um that you that that as as you look forward to the event sure i I think I can kick it off. I think the biggest challenge and and kind of what's scariest, so to speak, going into this is just the unknowns. We've we've prepared for, I think, every scenario that we could possibly face um, from dehydration all the way to sea survival uh, and everything in between. But But at the end of the day, we just have no idea what Mother Nature will throw at us. And we just have to be ready to adapt for that. And, you know, I think in terms of athletic brewings without compromise, um, motto, you know, th this pursuit is something that we, there, there are no compromises. As soon as we leave shore, there's a hundred percent commitment. And, and really there needs to be a hundred percent commitment as soon as you, as soon as you join the team. Um, and so I think that that's something that regardless of the unknowns and, and, and what's to come, whatever it is that mother nature throws at us or um, whatever happens with our boat, 
the fact is that we can't compromise and we don't want to. Um, and we're striving to do this um, the best way that we can with the best guys we got. And, and we're, we're really excited about that. I think, I think from, from my perspective, I'm probably most worried about like letting down the team and, and getting injured or, or being seasick, you know, to, I guess to Dixon's point, you don't, you don't really, you can't predict everything. And, and seasickness is probably one of the things that, that I think, you know, most people in this race are, you know, concerned about, or, you know, worried about because until you're out, you know, in, in real ocean conditions with, you know, 20 foot swells, um, it's hard to prepare for that. And so, yeah, I think that's probably, probably my biggest worry is, is that and kind of letting, letting down the team and, and having to spend time off the oars and people pick up the slack. But, you know, even, even during the preparation for this, you know, we've all had to do more or less depending on, you know, what we've got going on in our daily lives. So I think it's all, all part of being a team. Yeah, I, I, I think I'd agree with that. And, um, sort of, not wanting to kind of jump on the, the, the bandwagon, but I think, look, uh, Todd and Dixon are absolutely right. There's things you can't simulate. There's things you can't prep for. Um, you know, the weather, um, the conditions, the ocean, you know, you, you can't, and the seasickness, you can't really simulate that. I, th I think, you know, we've been hugely uncompromising in terms of our training this year. Um, and, you know, we, we haven't compromised on that, even though, you know, clearly it's been a, a pretty uniquely challenging year in terms of time, time available to train, being able to get into the gym, you know, we've had to kind of adapt and improvise a bit and, um, and overcome that, those hurdles. So, you know, for a lot of us, it's been adapting to getting a, a, a rower in your back garden. Um, it's been sort of going for long, long runs because we haven't been able to do sort of particularly um, endurance, endurance strength training in the gym. Um, and, and I'm hoping that that kind of, that, you know, mentality of not compromising, whatever is thrown at us will kind of, will, will persist during the crossing itself. Um, but you know, as I say, it's something we can't simulate. We'll just have to take it sort of, I won't even say one day at a time, one, one shift at a time. Yeah. I, there's not much more to add to that really. <laughs> you know, the guys have covered it off. I think also we've all talked about it, the, the physical side of it, but the mental resilience is, is probably equal or maybe even bigger at times. Um, and that's a dynamic between each of us as well and living on a on a boat which is only 28 foot long and you know there is no privacy you you are doing absolutely everything in front of each other and i don't think many other people doesn't matter what you've experienced before be it from the military for john and i or you know anything else that you don't really live in that such confined space with individuals um and so that will be a hell of a test as well, not just the elements um, and just and battling through that. Absolutely. You brought up so many things I didn't even think about. Of course, seasickness. How could I overlook that? That That is, I mean, that would count me out pretty much right from the beginning. <laughs> but, uh, Jono, you mentioned shifts. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because, you know, this is such a niche. So few people actually know the the kind of, what ocean rowing entails and the shifts are, are a big part of it. Could you, could you expound upon that a little? Yeah, sure. Um, look, look I, I think the, the perceived wisdom and, and clearly that there's a balance, right, between the sort of the time spent on, on the oars and the time that you spend either sort of resting, recovering, ad administering yourself, you know, eating um, or, or, or kind of doing maintenance work on, on, um, on the boat. And, and I think, you know, 
the sort of the perceived wisdom is that it's it's two hours on the oars, two hours off. Um, I think it does depend on on a lot of factors. Um, for us, as we've previously said, you know, we are hoping to go out and win the race. Um, so there will be times when you know either the weather's behind us or or against us, where we'll have to kind of tailor that accordingly. Uh, in which case, it'll be probably you know closer to two hours on the oars, forty minutes off. Um, and during that forty minutes, it's going to be pretty frantic. You know, either getting food prepared. Um, you know, doing any required maintenance on the boat, looking after our hands, looking after our bodies, um, and then ultimately, you know, just trying to get a bit of of, of rest as well. As sleep will be crucially important. Um, so that's the kind of shift pattern that that that, that we're going to adopt. You know, it, it'll be um, it'll it'll be hugely collaborative amongst ourselves in terms of what we think you know the right shift shift pattern will be for. Um, for for any given day in any given conditions, it might be that we you know are able to build up a bit of a lead. You know, don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but um, in which case we can maybe sort of just ease off slightly, or it may be that we're battling it out and we need to be pushing on these two hours on, just forty minutes off. Um, so so that's the kind of the the shift pattern that we'll be taking over over the sort of the, the course of the race. It will alter slightly. We've also got a home um, a sort of home team who will be sort of doing our weather routing for us as well. They'll clearly have input into that as well. They might say, look, you'll 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 be rowing into the wind, into the the currents for a couple of you know hours or days. We're going to need to see three of you on the oars at any one time. So it's going to be back up to two hours on, forty minutes off, you know, and to, so that we can continue to make some headway. So that that's sort of what life will look like, sort of yeah, on on a kind of daily basis. And as I say, it's probably going to be a case of just taking it, you know, one shift at a time. Two hours on, two hours off, round the clock, twenty four hours a day. Yeah. Have you guys done anything like this? I know you did. You get to you got you got to do a little bit of training. What what was that experience like for each of you testing it out? I think. Um... The, actually, probably the last weekend of training that we did together is, is probably, you know, I think we probably all agree is, is was the most beneficial, you know, because of the the issues that Dixon mentioned earlier around travel and, you know, generally given COVID, the challenges with getting out on the water. We we ended up training, uh, doing a lot of our training later on in the year than I think you would typically in, in any other year. So we were still training at the beginning of um, end of September, beginning of October. And so the last weekend that we went out, um, it was you know, 25 knots winds. It was, you know, eight, nine degrees. It was raining. Thankfully, we, we had our wet weather gear. We've got a kind of foul weather gear from Musto, uh, which we had delivered on the Friday um, before we left on the Saturday oh, morning. Gosh. Because without it, I, I think it would have been... Uh, yeah, a different story. But but that weekend, you know, we did we did around 30, 35 hours of, of rowing at one time. We did around 50 hours in total. And of the 35 hours, you know, nearly 12 hours of it, we spent rowing three people at a time, as Jono said, three up, two hours on, 40 minutes off, into a headwind and against the tide, um, going, at, you know, at, for about three hours, we were almost going nowhere. Um, in some pretty rough conditions. So uh, I think that was great for us. At the time, it was, you know, felt pretty miserable. But, you know, looking back and afterwards, we're all pretty thankful that we went through it. I think out of you know, everyone in this year's race, we probably trained in, in some of the hardest conditions. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, I think I think when, when you say two hours on, two hours off for 24 hours a day for a month, you know, we did that for call it a day. Um, so yeah, we were pretty shattered after it, but to think that we've got to repeat that 
for a month is a bit daunting, but but clearly you, you get into um you get into a bit of a rhythm as well, and hopefully not every day is uh, is is that tough. Yeah, I, I would say to, to Todd's point, not only do you have to log a minimum of 120 hours on the boat ahead of the race, but there's also a number of certifications that that we need to get, like short range radio, sea survival, uh, navigation, first aid, and then there's an ocean rowing course that's led by Atlantic Campaigns that are the organizers of the race. So there's just there's there's a huge amount of of just general admin that goes into even getting yourself to the race, aside from just the actual physical training itself. Um, and I, I think one of the, the, we had our first real training camp in August and it was supposed to be months before that, but obviously got delayed due to COVID, um, which was a five day kind of baptism by fire, so to speak, where I would say we were spending nine or so hours, uh, rowing during the day. We would then come into shore, have a little bit of a strategy session and, and then go back out at night. Um, and the first night we were out on the water by ourselves, it was thundering, lightning and absolutely pouring rain. So <laughs> mother nature definitely did not take it easy on us for, for our training, but I think ultimately that'll, that'll really help us, um, come the Atlantic. You don't want training to just be a nice day out on the pond. You know, you want it to be something rough so that you can get really get a feel for what it's going to be like. So, uh, so Todd, I saw you snacking on something a little earlier can you tell us a little bit about what nutrition is going to look like? I think a lot of folks are going to have questions about that. What are you going to be eating the whole time? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question because, you know, the race is, uh, it's fully unsupported. Um, so we have to take all of our food. We have solar panels on board that, you know, power our water maker and all of our navigation equipment. And, and yeah, so, so as it relates to nutrition, there's a minimum requirement of calories that, that we have to take, which is mandated by the race. And it works out to be approximately five to five and a half thousand calories per person per day. And we have to take a minimum of 55 days, which equates to a little over a million calories that we'll be taking on the boat with us, which is a lot when you when you try and fit it all into a, a boat that's you know, 20, 29 feet long. We split it broadly into kind of three. So a third of our calories will come from um, like dehydrated, freeze-dried food. And we've been supported by a company called Firepot um, that produce kind of adventure-type food. We, you know, that it, things from porridge to granola to dal and spinach to um, Dixon's favorite, which is uh, a spaghetti bolognese. Um, <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> Um, so we have a lot of freeze-dried food, which you, you add water to, and you can eat hot um, or cold, uh, depending on if we can boil water. And then the other third of calories come from uh, a company called Resilient Nutrition, and they make uh, it's a product called Long Range Fuel, which is a it's a nut uh, butter based um, food. They come in 100 milliliter sachets that are around 550 calories per sachet. So it's a very good way of um, taking in a lot of calories in a short space of time. And they have a few variants, some with caffeine, some without, some with added protein, some without. Um, so we'll be eating three or so of those a day. And then lastly, we've made snack packs, um, which everyone refers to as snack packs. So they're just small bags of around 1500 calories um, of you know fruit, nuts, chocolate, um, you know, other protein bars and, and biltong, for example, that, that just the things that will give us some 
you know, home comforts and, and maybe things that we'll like eating that we'll also snack on during the day. So yeah, the goal is to try and eat between five and five and a half thousand calories a day to not lose too much weight and keep us, uh, keep us powered. Unbelievable to think you're going to do all that and still, still lose weight. You know, the average rower loses, loses weight. So it, it, it's incredible. And to be able to fit it all in there, you also have to have somewhere to actually sleep. I, I hear that you're going to be having kind of, kind of bunk mates together. I think Dixon and Jono are going to be together because they're, they're Top Gun fans and they got a lot of the same interests. And then Jimmy and Todd together. How is sleeping going to work? What's that going to look like? I, you know, a lot of this is just basic stuff for you at this point, but it's uh, so fascinating, so outside the norm. I think people will be interested. That, that's the primary reason, reason we signed up, just so we could sleep in, in cabins with each other. Here you uh, go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, John, I, I don't know. You want to kick it off? Yeah, I mean, so the, the interesting thing is, uh, so just just for kind of for, for people's awareness, the, the boat has got two cabins. Exactly, it's got a stern and a, and a bow cabin, and, and each of those can sleep um, can sleep two people. I think um, just just going back to my point around the shifts earlier, really, you know, in an ideal scenario, you've only really got one guy sleeping in there at a time, or sort of, or, or whatever it might be, sort of, you know, um, you know looking after themselves stretching a little within the kind of confines that you can within within the cabin but look there is the op there is the, the kind of you know the possibility that the sea becomes too rough we can't have anyone on the oars um in which case there are sort of you know um uh procedures we can follow so such as deploying effectively a sea anchor which is kind of like a parachute that you throw out and will keep keep the boat the boat kind of steady and and, and pointing into the weather um, and at that point, yeah, it's, it's going to be like uh, sort of two of us in there, you know, in each cabin sort of cramped up and cozy. And, you know, we, we, we ha we've had to do a lot of drills during training. Some of those drills have included, for example, anchor drills. So, you know, anchoring up for a few hours or overnight, you know, just getting used to um, uh, being on the boat. And again, sort of, you know, um, uh, you know, sleeping for a couple of hours um, and two people kind of cramped into a cabin. It, it is cramped. Um, you know, and I suspect it'll get it'll get quite hot out there in the in the uh, sorry in the um, in the Atlantic uh, uh, at that time of year, sort of so close to the equator. Um, but it's something that you know we'll, we'll obviously have to experience. Unfortunately, you know, Dixon and I can you know just keep quoting uh, Top Gun uh, at each other until we sort of you know, <laughs> get, get get sick of passing the time. Um, but um, but no, it's you know it's it's going to be just another one of the kind of the, the, the challenges I think that we'll have to face potentially. A, a little less musical theater than is in top than is in Top Gun, though maybe. Yeah, a bit of bit of bit of singing of you've lost that loving feeling. You can act out some scenes. Wow. So so all right. So we've got, you know, um, sleeping arrangements. What we're going to eat, and and I know with water, people are going to be asking about that. You're going to have a you know like a desalinization system on the boat that where you, where you can essentially get endless water. Correct. Correct, and. Um... I think it's really important. Ultimately, this is what sustains us and helps us cook our food and everything. So Todd and I actually went down to go and do a course with uh, the gentleman who makes the water maker. And um, the, we turn this on once a day and try to do it in the, in the middle of the day when the sun's at its highest because it draws so much energy from the batteries, the lithium-ion batteries that we have on board. Um, so we want to make sure that they're fully charged when we do it. But the, the water maker will draw in water into a well on, on the boat and then it will make approximately 30 to 40 litres in an hour. 
So and that will see us through for a 24-hour period. Um, if we need to make more, we can. Uh, and it's a pretty simple process of high-pressure uh, osmosis uh, going through a load of membranes. And ultimately, the water that's born out of that is completely neutral water. Uh, there's no minerals in there or anything, any salt at all. Uh, and then we add that to our freeze-dried food or we add minerals um, and electrolytes to the water to keep us going. It probably wouldn't, it probably wouldn't make good beer, I don't think. Hey, you'll, we'll, uh, we'll have that covered for you. So <laughs> <laughs> Good. I think people are also going to be curious. And this will be the, probably the last one I ask about, like, day-to-day life. But what is the bathroom going to look like? I don't know who's most comfortable answering that. But, uh... I, knew, I, I knew that question was coming. I think anyone that's really tested this out. So, 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 so the, the short answer is um, it's, uh, it's a bucket, um, essentially. Uh, we, 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 have a, we have a posh one, which is, is called, it's called a luggable loo. Which uh, all that means is it has a it has a handle on it and a and a, a very basic seat. But I can tell you from from uh, from personal experience on the weekend that I mentioned earlier, where we had some pretty tough seas, that yeah, it's it's going to take a, a bit of practice. And and I'm the only one that's uh, that's had any practice on it. So I'm looking forward to uh, <laughs> to seeing how everyone else gets on. But yeah, look, I think we're um we're going to get very uh, very friendly very quickly. And that's just one of the things that uh, that we'll have to get used to. And and Mason, I think just worth worth mentioning too that the uh, the bathroom isn't isn't enclosed or in a cabin somewhere. It is on the deck where you're rowing. Um, so when Todd says that it's 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 public, it, it's about as public as you can possibly get. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love the I love all the technology involved from the nutrition to the to the the water purification system to the boat itself solar panels and when it comes to the most basic human needs it's uh it's a bucket it's a bucket with a lid and uh good luck in the tossing waves trying to <laughs> try to keep your balance and all that it's going to be it's something quite a high center of gravity <laughs> yeah so, so you know there's obviously a lot to be um yeah, obviously to be nervous about going into this, you know, it's, it's been a crazy, it's not been the most stressless year. It's been a very stressful year for the world. Um, to do this, to have this sort of to, right towards the end of this year, it's, uh, I can understand if you're all feeling, um, nervous about it. Uh, if your families are feeling nervous about it, I know you all have families, but you all, I did look into each of you. You all have extremely impressive adventure resumes and have lots of experience and lots of different, different facets of life. What about this or what what aspect of this adventure are you most looking forward to? In a lot of ways, it, it, it seems like it might be a mental break in some ways to just row, row and row and focus on that for an entire month. W- w- what are each of you looking forward to the most? Uh, aside from using the bucket in front of each other? Well, yeah, of course. I mean, that's, <laughs> we all know that's number one. I, I, I think, speaking for myself, I, I think what I'm most looking forward to is just is just the the kind of teamwork associated with it. I mean, to have four guys come together um, to row across the ocean is is a huge feat. And without each other, we wouldn't even be able to do this. Um, so what I'm most looking forward to are the, the time that we spend together. Um, I'm also just looking forward to the, the calm nights where we'll be 1,500 miles from either continent and you look up and it's just 
crystal clear sky, um, stars out, you have fall after a, a beautiful sunset, potentially you have different wildlife that's swimming by you, whether that's whales, dolphins, flying fish, hopefully nothing too aggressive, uh, like a shark. But again, it's, it's all just part of the experience. And I think, you know, what I had mentioned that the fear of the unknown is also what's, I think, really exciting me. We just, we have no idea minute to minute what, what things will look like. Um, but I'm really excited to be spending time doing something like this with these guys. And also just those serene, calm moments that you have that, that we've never, and very few people have ever experienced to the extent that we will. I, I definitely echo that, but I, I think actually for me, Mason, you, you kind of you hit the nail on the head. I think um, one of the things I'm, you know, really looking forward to, I think, is the mental break, um, and it's it, it will be one of those things that's that's so different to anything that you know we've ever experienced before. I think you know, Jimmy and I have probably had a, a bit of a, a taste of sort of a different experience in the military, and I know that you know endurance athletes get a taste of it as well. But it, it's it's one of those situations where your world just becomes so much smaller and simpler in many ways and you you become focused on you know the next two hours or even the next 40 minutes whatever it might be and looking after yourself and looking after your team um and looking after your teammates and and, and, and those around you and that really becomes your kind of your sole fo- focus and your kind of sole purpose for an extended period of time and i think you know that's something that i think i'm I, i'm looking forward to so yeah i think i think that's that that's definitely part of it that that's one aspect that i that, that, I, that I hope will, um, will will kind of sustain me going through it. I think what's uh, been interesting from my perspective is, you know, when when Dixon and I and, and everyone talked about this almost two years ago and we spoke to other teams who have done the race, everyone talks about the race being kind of two races. There's like there's a race to the get to the start line and then there is a race that starts on the 12th of December when we all set off from La Gomera. And, and I didn't really understand it or, or believe it when, when people talked about that. Clearly this year has exacerbated that, but it really has been, you know, uh, you know, all consuming, you know, especially trying to, you know, work and hold down relationships and, and spend time with family and all the other kind of competing, uh, you know, needs and, and, and things in your life. So, so I think, I think there'll be an element of relief when we push off from the start that we've actually got there and, and um, you know, we're, we're actually doing it. Um, so for, so for me, I'm kind of just looking forward to, yeah, pushing off and, and, and knowing that we've done everything we have to get to the start and, and um, put ourselves in the best position to, uh, to, to win the race. Yeah, I think for me, it's, it's really about connecting to the elements and um, that, Ultimately, uh, the oceans occupied a larger percentage of this planet, um, and I don't think there's any more um, better time really than to to do that um, and be really at one with it. And we understand the ecosystem so much more and how delicate it is to to the rest of the world as well. And um, those moments that people talk about on the row when you know whales come up past you and the blowhole you know goes erupts and it covers you in water or pods of dolphins swimming off the bowels or even sharks uh those are pretty magical moments and then looking up into the night sky and, and seeing the milky way there is no light pollution whatsoever and that rawness would just be fantastic those are incredible things to be looking forward i had a friend one time that sailed around the world and he told me um, 
there were so many nights where where the closest thing closest people to him were were the astronauts in the international space station and that i've never forgotten that that was one of the most incredible facts and uh the sun rises and sun sets out there when nothing is on the horizon um, he said, we're to die for. So I, I'm extremely excited for all of you for what this experience is going to be. And uh, something we always ask everyone that comes on this show, and I would love for each of you to answer, uh, what, what does it mean to you to to live without compromise? Because here we, we brew without compromise, but what, what we find is to be able to brew without compromise really takes living your entire life without compromise. So I'd love for each of you to uh, answer that before we wrap this up. From my perspective, it's is getting up every day and you know not not making excuses. Um, and I think uh, it's I think being in a team with these guys and the endeavor we're embarking on, in some respects, makes that easier because you know if I'm getting up in the morning at five o'clock uh, a.m. to go to the gym, it'd be very easy to turn around and go back to bed. But I think you know, living without compromise and being true to yourself and, and actually doing the right thing by your teammates um, is kind of what I think about every day, you know, and, and you know, in, in life in general, that's kind of my approach, but especially when preparing for a campaign and, and, a, and an endeavor such as this, um, you know, I, I'm always thinking about um, not letting the team down and, and um, you know, making sure that doing everything, you know, I can, um, to uh, to better myself and put ourselves in a in a race winning position. I th- I think for me, you know, it, it, and perhaps it's it's linked to that. But I think for me, it's you know, living without compromise is is, is grasping opportunities like this one with with kind of with both hands. You know, it's 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 very easy, I think, to be that guy who says, "Oh, I wanted to do that," or you know, "I I was going to do that," but I you know, but but, um, and you know. But but to be the person who does say, actually, I'm going to throw myself into something, even when it scares me, and perhaps maybe especially when it scares you, I think is it, it is definitely to what kind of living without compromise meaning to me. And, and it goes to Todd's point, I think, about being true to yourself and, and really pushing and discovering yourself. And, and yeah, I think I think that's what it means to me. I agree with what these guys have said. I think, you know, just adding on to that, one of my favorite movies is Dead Poets Society. Um, and there's this great scene that is very famous that most people listening will probably know when Robin Williams says, Carpe Diem sees the day. And to me, living without compromises is just that. It's about when opportunities present themselves, grab them but because you just have no idea when else those things will happen and, and you only live once and you want to live your life to the fullest. And if you're living life to the fullest, you don't want to do it. You don't want to compromise. And I think for, for, for us, you know, rowing an ocean, it, it, you don't just wake up one day and you're like, I, I want to row an ocean. Maybe very few times that happens. But I think for each of us, this was really an evolution of a lot of things that, that we have done in our lives. And I mean, for me specifically, I, I had never run more than a half mile until my senior year of college. Um, and my endurance track has just evolved from pretty much a, a neighborhood 5k and half marathon to now rowing across the Atlantic. And um, to exactly what Todd and Jono said, you, you just, you take things one step at a time, you seize opportunities when they come. And when you do commit to them, you commit to them to the fullest and and you do it to fruition. And hopefully it goes well. And if not, well, you've learned and experienced something brand new and, and um, I think look forward to whatever's next. And, and that's kind of the beauty of, of the, the journey of life. So. Yeah, I think Mason, for me, it's really um about 
enjoying the journey and obviously we haven't we have one main aim and that is to to win this race um and as a team coming together and everything that's been thrown at us through this year of being in different countries and the pandemic and what have you but you've got to enjoy everything in the build up to it and the, and you've got to compromise other things in in life to make that happen and so there is a certain element without compromise, but other things do get compromised, and that's a priority list. Uh, and the priority for us is preparing ourselves for the race. Um, but yeah, as we've learned, yeah, the training in the North Sea, in uh, off the, the coast of the UK, yeah, it may have been miserable, and thank goodness we had our foul weather kit and everything ready for that. But those stories is what will get us through the actual race as well, uh, and we'll remember that and look back on it. And also something like this isn't just a, a short period of time. It, as Dixon first said when we when we started the, the podcast, you know, this has ultimately been a, a two-year kind of process. Um, and as soon as we step off that boat in Antigua, that is it, it's finished. And we can't just you know, see that as the goal, get there, and it's done. We've got to enjoy everything that goes into it. Um, and that then trails the fault for, for everything else that we do and, and all of those with us as well, because it's not just us rowing. It's also our families and our friends who have been living this as well. And probably some of them are really looking forward to us actually getting into Antigua, so they never hear us speaking about rowing again. Uh, <laughs> but they are... They are very much on the journey with us. Uh, and I think that's just amplified by doing these amazing podcasts and, and speaking to you guys that people are just so interested in it. And so it does, you eat, sleep and breathe it. Uh, and you know, there is no compromise there. Mm. Well spoken, all of you. I, I, I know all of you are so just worthy of your own podcast episode. It's very clear. You all have, you know, so much wisdom, experience, um, fortitude. So I really appreciate you bringing it on, being on and just, just being able to share the mic and talk a little bit about um, just even briefly of, of what this is going to be. Uh, Dixon, do you mind sharing? Because I'm actually curious, uh, personally, what, what is going to be the best way to follow along the journey? Because it's long enough to really to really get into and to really follow along and see the progress. And, and especially since you're going to be going for a win, which will be very exciting to follow along. Yeah, of course. Uh, great question. So there's a there's a tracking app called YB Races that you can download, and as soon as the race starts on December 12th, you can you can download the app and you can track not only us but all the other boats in the race, and it updates every three or four hours approximately, um, and uh, that'll tell you the direction that we're moving in, the speed that we're moving in, the distance that we traveled over the past 24 hours. Uh, I believe it also tells wind direction, speed, wave height, direction, among other things. Um, so you can tune in there. And then uh, I believe that that we will be having another chat via sat phone when we're actually out on the water. So uh, for anyone that's listening today, there there will be, I think, a, a continuation of this when we're actually out there on the water in the middle of the elements that we're really looking forward to. Oh man, I'm so excited for that. Well, great guys. Well, you know, this, this episode will release right before you guys leave. So it's going to be perfect timing. Uh, we'll plug all those links and thank you. Thank each and every one of you for being on. I mean, I'm super excited to follow along. It's, it's going to be really inspiring. Thanks for having us, Mason. For having us. Thank you. Great. Thank you. We'll have some athletics for you ready in Antigua. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Thanks. Bye. Bye. 
first of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun.